I know that in 80 years from now, I'm going to feel amazing knowing that I was giving every single thing to the thing I wanted to do. So people have this mentality of like, if I go be an engineer, you know, I'm going to be lit. Nah, bro, you're, you're, there's going to be a struggle somewhere there. So you just have to pick in life that struggle and that thing that you want to do and then just fight for it. What is up, you sexy bastard? It is your boy, Fish Sticks, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to David Wolves. This guy's music is so good. I came across it randomly on Spotify and I was hooked. I hit him up on IG and then we've actually become friends and have talked. It turns out he actually works a day job at the airport pushing wheelchairs and makes all of the music himself. My favorite songs from him are Rapture, Touring Test, Kids, and Sirens. And I thought it'd be really cool to just have a chat with an up-and-coming artist that hasn't necessarily blown up yet to hear what it's like behind the scenes. Go search right now for David Wolves on your phone on Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram and give him some love. That's David Wolves. If you've ever want to learn about being a musician or a creative entrepreneur, you're going to love this episode. Here's three gigantic things you're going to take away. Number one, the power of the immigrant mentality. Two, being a musician is a lot more entrepreneurial than people think. And three, David's process for creating dope music. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we jump into the episode, go check out appsuma.com slash Noah. It is a site I've created over 12 years ago. It is literally the best daily deals on software if you are looking to start or grow your online business. People call it the Groupon for Geeks or Groupon for Software. Go to appsumo.com slash Noah. Even if you just want to check out how we do our marketing or see what's the latest and greatest software, appsumo.com slash Noah. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Michael Blair. He left a review saying, offers great advice and answers the questions we've always wondered. Noah, I wish you had more podcasts. Damn, I wish I had more Michael Blair in my life. Thank you and every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review wherever you listen to this. I check every single one of them. How's David doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm tired though. I just uh, I worked last night super late. So your your day job for real is pushing wheelchairs at the airport. Is that correct? That's what I do every every day. And sometimes these people are 700 pounds. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, man. Yeah, some people are, are real big, and that you can't you can't deny them. You have to. Hey, can you get in this chair? And you have to push them. One, I love your music. I, I still, last night I was like just fucking on it. I'm like, yo, I love this stuff. And then. um I think your story is fascinating. The, obviously, you know, the where you came from is fascinating, but just the fact that you have this day job. And I, I don't think people, I think people hear the stories of the musicians like Maroon 5. I don't know, that's what I thought of. Or like, you know, Bieber. But then there's people like yourself who have great music. And then it's like that you're at the earlier stage of uh, the come up, right? Because your side hustle and at night you're you're making music. What You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you have to, everybody has to do what they have to do, obviously, to, to make a living and, and, and try to find a way. but you know, whenever I'm not, you know, working there or, you know, today when I have a day off or tomorrow, it's just going to be, you know, new projects, new songs and stuff like that. So I, I, I usually get with my friends or just late at night, I just uh, get on my computer and just make music. How long have you been doing this music thing? Well, I've been playing guitar when I was, since I was 13. Uh, I started playing guitar because I, uh, I used to play Guitar Hero when I was a kid. And my friend next door had a guitar and one day i was just like hey let me try real guitar and so I, I took his guitar and i started just playing around with it for like a week and i got really into it and so then from there i kind of like forced my parents to to buy me a guitar it took them like months so they had to like save up and try to figure out but my dad ended up buying me a guitar and then from there i just never stopped playing guitar i played guitar every day until i was uh you know until i was older and um i started actually making real songs and music when i was kind of out of high school I had a friend who produced and he kind of got me onto the production software. And so from there, I just started uh, getting into producing, making songs and 
I felt like uh, it was good too because I first started playing guitar. And then over time, I started playing keys and just other instruments, just picking them up over time. So once I got to the later stages and I started doing production and stuff, it became easier because I kind of already had that musical background. What was your dream after high school? I mean, I had a lot of things that I was going to do because since I was a kid and I always played guitar, I brought my guitar to school. I had a guitar class sometimes, even though I taught myself, but I still took the class so I could play during school hours. I remember teachers would tell me, like I had a teacher, language arts teacher, she told me that I was going to be signed one day and be a musician. But so, you know, when I was going to get out of high school, I was just trying to figure out something that I could do because I uh, I graduated with a 4.3. So I could have went to any college or anything, but I just didn't feel like that was the right route. I still went for like like two years, you know, to community college just to kind of like get my parents off my back. But I was thinking about going to the military, being going to the Air Force. I was just trying to figure something out that I could do. Meanwhile, still all every day doing music and, and loving that. But I just didn't feel like that was necessarily all the way possible. You know, I didn't know anybody. I live in Orlando. I don't know if I didn't know anything that related to the music industry. What did your parents think? They're like, shit, we shouldn't have bought you that guitar. Man, uh, well, they, I think they they liked seeing me, you know, get into something and play guitar. But being having immigrant parents and, and we can go deeper into um, more of that story, I guess, since we, you know, we have some time. But yeah, having Im- immigrant parents, they they kind of expect you to come. And especially if you do really good in school, because my dad forced us to do really good in school. He's expecting me to, you know, go to school, be an electrical engineer, you know, do something that is going to kind of benefit you monetarily. So me kind of delving deeper into music and, and, and art and stuff like that is just a hard one. Cause one day I just, I was in school, I was sleeping in college and I got a class and I just called my best friend. I was like, man, oh, what's going on? I, I don't know what to do. I'm going to school. Like I'm, I'm not learning anything here. I'm, I'm falling asleep in class. I'm wasting my money. He was like, bro, why are you going to school? Stop all that. Go home, keep it real with your parents and just move from there and really go all in on music. So I went home that day and I remember coming in, my mom was cooking. She was, I was like, mom, you know, I, I love school and I, I love learning stuff. So I, was, I told her one day, maybe I'll go back and I'll just learn some things because it's, it's fun to learn. But I told her for this time being, I had to focus all the way on music. And so I was going to quit school. And she was obviously really, really upset. My dad, you know, didn't, didn't deal with that at all. So, you know, it's, it's been a long time to try to get them to kind of get convinced that this could be something, you know, but it's, it's tough to understand the internet, let alone music, let alone anything like that because they, they grew up so different and they grew up so we're from colombia we're from medellin i was born there i was born there and i lived there until i was seven dad and my mom you know they grew up without you know without any money my dad my mom and my dad had to you know work multiple multiple jobs while going to school while trying to support the family my dad i remember he his down payment for the land that he paid for it to you know to get a little house built so that him and his wife could live uh his down payment was his bike his whole life, you know, they, uh, his dad and his mom tried to get as much possible to, to, to feed the 10 kids. But my dad, uh, his whole life, he always wanted a bike because he never got toys and stuff like that because they didn't have any money. So once he got older, he worked really, really, really hard and got a bike. And when he got that bike, uh, you know, he was going to got married to my mom. He was going to, they were going to move in together. They were trying to buy some land because they didn't want to live with my, with their parents. And, uh, he was talking to the guy who was going to sell him the land. And the guy said, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. But if you want to buy this land, you have to give me your bike as a down payment right now. And so my dad had to give up the bike that he fought for his whole life to try to, you know, get just to get a, a house to live in. And then he had to w- walk to work and stuff. Yeah, we grew up in Colombia. Not a lot of money, not a lot of opportunity. So they, you know, they have that strong mindset that 
traditional mindset, you know, work as hard as you can, get to where you need to get to. And that kind of led into them going to the United States. So what are your mom what does your mom and dad do in the United States right now? So my dad right now works um doing maintenance like maintenance work at the uh, old folks home and then my mom works there too doing like uh what do you call it cleaning like she cleans the rooms and stuff like that yeah but they've they've had all types my dad's had all types of jobs you know like kind of more like physical like that like maintenance work and working on glass working on stuff like that and then you were telling me your story it sounded insane how y'all came to america so obviously that's where they come from we come from medellin obviously it's a traditional you got to try to find any way to scrape by and get some money my dad said that when he was growing up he always had the goal that like his idea was i got to make it to america somehow and medellin and, and colombia is in south america so it's all the way down in south america my dad always had that idea of like okay he would tell his friend like i'm going to go to america i'm going to go to america and um people would just kind of laugh at him because you, you can't you know there's no way to afford a visa or to do anything like that just that's not possible what was it about america though just real quick i'm, I'm curious what was missing in medellin the opportunity is just not there, man. It's just it's economically, just if you have no opportunity to try to even find a way to make it, you know, out of out of that. If you want to go to secondary schooling or to go to college or something, you have to have a lot of money and you have to be really, really top of your class. And literally, my parents would tell me this other day: if you get to a certain age, like if you're, you know, in your forties or something, you can't even find a job because they consider you old at that point. So they kind of like age you out of the the market just to even work. And Colombia has a lot of. Uh, American culture. So they, you know, they would listen to American music. They would see American movies and stuff like that. So a lot of the media, you know, is big over there. So I'm guessing my dad kind of was just like, that's an opportunity for a better life for my kids, my family, you know, myself. So I was kind of like, you know, that obviously he always had that in his mind. He always told me that was his thing that he had in his mind to come to America. How did he get here? He kept telling his friends over the years, I'm going to go to America. I'm going to go to America. And they would always laugh at him. And one day he said that when he finally gave up on that and he said, ah, there's no way I'm going to make it over there. It's just not going to happen. And he already had me and my brother, uh, my brother's a year and a half old younger than me. And then he, he already had his family and everything. He was working that moment when he gave up on it, two weeks later, his friend called him and said, Hey, um, I have something we're going to do in America. So get your stuff. You have to be ready next week and we're leaving. And my dad just kind of was like, okay, he jumped on it immediately. And then, uh, he got here the same way we did, which uh, not to get too ahead of myself, but he went through Central America and got here illegally through, you know, through coyotes and things like that. I think you were telling me that's how you got into America as well. Yep. So my dad got here a, a year or a year or two prior. So he, when he got here with his friend, he was working, doing taxi stuff, doing anything he could living with his sister because he his sister lived here and she was a citizen because he, you know, through marriage. And so he was living in her like spare, spare room in the garage or something. And he was just working jobs. And then my mom kind of, after like a year, year and a half, my mom realized like, I can't let my husband just be out there. We got to find a way, you know, to get out there as well. But she was kind of thinking like, what do I do? Do I leave, do I leave my kids here? And then we come back for them later and I just go because it's going to be dangerous. Or do we all go? And she said that she was, you know, kind of going back and forth on it. And one day she just decided, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go with my kids um, and she, the next day she sold all of our stuff and then she, you know, she got some tickets to go to Panama, which is the closest kind of, um, country to Colombia that's like in Central America. So she bought some tickets. We, uh, took some flights to go to uh, Panama. And then when we got to Panama, they lost all our bags and all our passports and all that stuff from there. My mom 
met this family and the cousin of the family that we randomly met at the airport uh, was a coyote. And coyotes are people who help you help smuggle you into the United States. So from there, um, the guy basically said, yeah, I can smuggle you guys in. It's going to be $2,000 a person. It's going to take a couple months. You know, we're going to do everything we can to get you guys out there. Then my, my dad kind of agreed with it. So my dad, you know, started raising the money together. Yeah. From there, we started the journey. We started the journey from Panama and through every single country in, in Central America, you know, taking, taking buses, walking. I remember we took a boat one time. It's just different, different modes of transportation to get through different checkpoints across the borders. And then eventually going to Mexico and, and smuggling in through uh, Texas and then into Florida. How old were you? So I was seven, my brother was five. And, you know, uh, it's interesting to see a lot of like uh, the immigration talks and things like that here in the United States, because a lot of these people talking about this, obviously, I've never lived or, or, or know anyone who's ever lived that. But it's just, man, it's crazy. You're going with people. Obviously, I'm young, but I, I still remember a good deal of it. And you just, you're with a bunch of people you don't know. You know, you never know if there's, you know, people who are rapists, killers, or, you know, you don't know who you're going with. You have families mixed along with people who could be criminals. So it's obviously, you know, it's a blessing. And um, it's crazy that nothing happened to us. You know, we just, we made it unscathed, basically. And, and it's just, it's crazy. That sounds scary. Like a seven-year-old, like you're trying to get through like the border of America, going through rivers and buses. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, actually we, it's crazy because when you're that young, you don't you don't see it that way. You just kind of think, yo, it's just life. I'm just living. But like looking back on it now and, and, and taking time to be like, man, what the what happened? Um, this is a funny moment. We are uh, going across the border, and they told they give you instructions. So they tell you you're gonna take this bus. You're gonna get off on the third stop. Do this, this, this. Okay. So my mom, they told, and they wouldn't tell me and my brother because we're little kids. So we don't know what the hell that means. So they would tell my mom and then she would just do it. So we had to get on this bus. And then the way they, they make it so that they don't check your papers so that you don't get deported or, or get thrown into a, a refugee camp or something is they tell you, you guys got to get on this bus. You guys are going to pretend to all fall asleep when the, when the, uh, the immigration people come in uh, so that they don't check your papers because you guys are, you're, you're a single mother with two kids. So since you guys, you know, are young or whatever, they're not going to bother to wake you guys up. They'll just assume you guys are good and, and let you guys go. So we, we had to get on this bus. And that day, it just happened to be one of those days where, you, you know, it's me and my brother. We're having a good day. We're playing around, joking. And um, when it came down to the moment, I was like, you guys got to pretend to fall asleep right now. And I just have this memory and remember me pretending to be asleep. And the guards came right up to our faces, like right like in front of it, just to make sure to see if we would laugh or something. And I just always remember that, like uh, me being pretending to be asleep while a, a grown guy with a machine gun is in front of me, just, you know, his face in front of me. And I couldn't laugh, you know. That is fucking crazy, dude. How long was the journey? I don't know how many months exactly, but it was, it was, a mo- it was months. It wasn't like... Oh, uh, months? Yeah, <laughs> it was months. It was months. I remember we got caught in... Um, and I told you, I think I told you a little bit of this story. Um, we had another instruction. We had to go across. I think we we're crossing the El Salvador border or something. And we had to walk in these jungle type of thing. And then we had to get in this boat and, and go across the water. And then when we got across the water, we had to walk up this little hill. It was like in the jungle or whatever. And they told my mom we were going to get caught. And that was the plan. But we didn't know that. Me and my brothers didn't know that. And we go in through this jungle. We get in this boat. You know, we're walking across. We walk up. And then uh, we, my brother steps on a tripwire. And then a bunch, a bunch, I guess that was the alarm. And then everybody, tanks and stuff like that come out. 
and they separate us from our mom and they put us in, a, in the back of a, a big like Humvee Jeep, you know, militarized thing. Then they start asking us questions like, you know, where are you from? Because that's what they do. They try to recognize you have to even try to change your accent, do things like that, because if they recognize where you're from, then they're going to deport you there. So obviously this is a game of like kind of cat and mouse. So whenever you get caught, you have to pretend you're from the nearest country. So that if you get deported, they deport you at, you know, as close as possible. That way you're not back at the start. We were trying to pretend or whatever. We were crying. Me and my brother were young kids. And then eventually my mom tells them like, no, I'll tell them where you're actually from. They make you sing your national anthem. They make you, uh, you know, they make you do all these things. And we got caught in El Salvador. And then we had to stay there for, I think, like two months or, or a month or something like that. We say that we, we were political refugees, you know, and, the, and then from there, they give us political asylum. Then we stayed in like this apartment, weird complex thing with a bunch of other refugees. And then, you know, we stayed there for a couple months and I don't know how we left, but we ended up leaving and going from there. That's crazy. I mean, this episode is less about that, but it's just like the one, the people that want to come to America. Sometimes I'm like, just let them in. I know everyone's tripping so hard. I mean, like a lot of people like your family work hard and, you know, they're good, uh, good people for America. That's, I mean, everyone here is an immigrant. I don't know if people trip so hard on that. It's definitely a tough one, man. It's like, just like with anything, it's the double-edged sword, you know, because it's, it's like, it's hard to put in the resources, I guess, to vet all these people to see who is good and who isn't. And they're overwhelmed. But at the same time, like you said, it's like, if I didn't have the opportunity to to come here, man, I, I don't know what I would be doing in Colombia. I don't know what would have been the outcome, but I feel very blessed, obviously, to have that be a part of my story and go from there. But like you said, this isn't necessarily so much about that, but I'm sure there'll be some some immigrant or someone out there listening that will uh, kind of relate to that and, and feel that. Well, it's also, I wonder your parents' dreams, because they, they work so hard to get here and then they're like, David, like you're doing this music thing. Like, come on, bro, like go get the guaranteed safe money. So I wonder how that that is for them and that that is for you. It sucks. I'm not going to lie. It's especially being that I did so good in school. You know, I, I did have those opportunities to do those things because, you know, it, I'm guessing if, you know, if I this wasn't good and I got these straight knees and I couldn't I didn't have the opportunity, it wouldn't hit as much. You know, it wouldn't hit as hard. But being that me and my brother, you know, did, my brother went to college. He actually was the first one to go and he uh, he went to FSU and graduated. But for me, you know, the the, the older brother, the. Uh, their first kid to kind of reject something that is basically in front of me that I can go to any college, I can do these things, man, it hit him hard. And obviously as a son and knowing how hard it was to get here and what, what they had to sacrifice, you know, their whole family, you know, a bunch of money, uh, and man, that's, that's just the beginning of the money side of it. Cause then you have to apply for like residency, then citizenship. And those, that's like thousands and thousands of dollars to get a lawyer to do all of that. So it's just, knowing those sacrifices kind of weighs down on, on, a, on a person and it could be negative, you know, it's hard to, to keep going and not seeing any financial fruits from music and then be, and then look at my parents and be like, yeah, but this is right. I'm, it's going to, I'm going to succeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it has to have, you have to have a lot of internal conviction. Right. But I think what always gets me at the end of the day is that we all have something that's written on our hearts, something that we are meant to do to, to kind of, really provide something for the world. We have this obligation or something that is inside of us is meant to really touch other people. And I think that the action of them coming to the United States was to allow me the opportunity to really find that thing and actually give it my all, you know? So while there's someone out there who, you know, may have been that electrical engineer and that's the thing on their heart that they can really go all in on, in my heart, it just happened to be music. And I think that it still doesn't invalidate what they did. It only means that what I'm going to do now and, and how hard I have to go on music has to 
reflect that same amount of energy they put in. You know what I mean? Sure, man. It's funny that AppSumo, the company I'm at, I always am like, yo, everyone needs to have that immigrant mentality. Like this immigrant mentality is where it's at. Like your family, you, my dad, a lot of people at our, at our company is just like working hard, respectful, like just trying to make it happen. First, you know, I'm not going to talk about other ways, but I just uh, appreciate it. I admire it. What's your brother do? Him and his girlfriend moved to like Portland and he just kind of works normal jobs right now. He's working, I think, as a, as a, a chef at, at some restaurant or something. But he went to school for, I think, marketing, if, I, if I'm not wrong, or business or something like that. He went to FSU, did his four years, and now he's just kind of, you know, but it's, you know how hard it is when you're trying to find one of those type of jobs. You got to have, it's more so experience than it is, uh, you know, going to college or something. So he's still been um, trying to figure that side out, but, you know, he got his four years. And so you started making music. Did it like, did you get an audience right away? Like how's been the the music journey for you? I mean, you're, you're sacrificing, right? Like you're sacrificing time doing the the wheelchair work to to pursue your dream. Yeah, and this isn't this isn't the first type of job I've had like this. I've been working call centers since I was eighteen. You know, working at Walgreens when I was sixteen. So I've been working, uh, and I'm twenty five right now. So I've been working for years and years and years, just doing any type of job that can earn me some money. But it, you know, obviously, my heart has always been the music. It's interesting the jobs you had. Like I worked at Office Max. I've definitely had worked at a popcorn stand. So I feel you on these. Uh, I don't know if you call it blue collar, but like you know, retail basic jobs. I think I admire you that you're you're at least going after the dream. I think a lot of people are like, well, my dream is to be a musician, but this engineer thing is safe, and so I'm going to do it, and it'll be okay. And uh, you know, I really admire that you're you're going after it, even though it's not easy. So I was curious, you know, how that journey's going. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think that fl- that that thinking is like fundamentally already flawed because we're going to be okay and not okay no matter what we do, you know, in life. Whether I go and be an engineer, I'm going to be good and like, you know, having some money, but then I'm going to hate my life knowing that you know, that wasn't what I loved doing on that side, uh, vice versa. It's like there might be something that right now I'm struggling real hard trying to make ends meet going to work at a wheelchair pl- you know, place. But I know that in 80 years from now, I'm going to feel amazing knowing that I was giving every single thing to the thing I wanted to do. So that's obviously, uh, no matter what you do, people have this mentality of like, if I go be an engineer, you know, I'm going to be lit. Nah, bro, you're, you're, there's going to be a struggle somewhere there. So you just have to pick in life that struggle and that thing that you want to do um, and, and just fight for it. But to answer your question, being a musician, I think is a lot more entrepreneurial and a lot more kind of business, not necessarily, but an artist is a lot more like starting a business than a lot of people think and imagine. And so I think a lot of artists fail and don't succeed because they kind of treat it as just like uh, some woo-woo kind of like up in the air thing. Oh, I'm, I'm an artist. So abstract, abstract. That It's like, man, it's not always like that. You know, when you're an artist, yes, you got to work on the product and the art. And that's amazing. And that's a big part of it. But you got to be aware enough to be like, okay, well, I do have to market myself. I do have to figure out how to grow fans. I do got to figure out if I don't have a manager, I got to find that person or that team member to do that. So, and a lot of times that's more like starting a business than it is uh, you sitting there and uh, and uh, writing a bunch of words or making a beat. That's extremely important to the success of the art. So I think a lot of people don't recognize that a lot. What do you think separates someone that's, because your music is better than a lot of the other shit that, that's out there right now, to me, and I, I think to other people. So what do you think separates someone who's making it in the music scene right now? And you're, you're making it. I mean, you're, you're still, you're, you get thousands of views, but what, what do you think that difference is? I think a lot of people don't give a fuck about life. And a lot of people would say it's it's really nice and cool to say that a lot now. Like, oh, I just don't care about anything. I, I'm, I don't care. It's like, but if you don't care about anything, then if I had to sit there for 12 hours working on a song and I don't care about it, like, it's just not going to happen. 
So I think caring and intention are those things that allow someone to really go beyond it. And that's why it's really interesting. I think all this advice that like really successful people give, it's really funny because like you ask someone like Elon Musk or you ask a, a, a Jay-Z or someone like, how do you be successful? It's like, uh, and they usually give you a really like generic uh, answer. Like, oh, just put the effort in and, and care about what you're doing. And I think that that's actually right because the people who really want to do this, this thing, whatever it may be, being a, you know, an entrepreneur, being a musician, those people will take those words and be like, okay, that's exactly what I needed. Because everyone knows that to be a musician, to be an entrepreneur, it's all going to be different depending on what you're trying to do. You know what I mean? So whether you're, you're trying to start an, an, an online uh, website or something like that, or you're trying to start a physical a store, it's going to be completely different. So the guy's not going to sit there and give you a 10-hour you know, lesson on how, what you should do with your business. So all that he can give you is, hey, man, just really care about what you're doing, and, 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 and then you'll find a way. That's what I believe like with being a musician. A lot of this shit has just been finding a way, man. Like, you're like oh, how do, how do people listen to music? And then it's like, I don't fucking know. And then you have to go through and, and try to find out where do people listen to music? How do you put music out? How do you... So that intention is, is what brings it to the next level. Like, how do you make a good song? Well, I don't know, but I should go listen to good-ass music that everybody believes is good and that I love and then start breaking it down. But a lot of people don't give a fuck about anything. So you're not going to go that extra mile when you don't care. You know, if, if I don't care about something, I'm not going to sit there for 12 hours and figure out what a snare is. You know, you're like, that's not going to happen. You know, what's your dream with it? With music? Yeah. I mean, you, you see how passionately I speak, but man, I, I, I know it's almost more so a reality that hasn't happened. You know what I mean? It's like, I just see it. I see it every day. I see it when I talk to my friends, when I talk to my parents and in 20 years, I'm going to be one of the, I'm going to be the biggest artist in the world. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to have multiple Grammys. I'm going to have uh, some of the high selling albums ever, but all that is to, to really just truly kind of spread the message that man, this life. So uh, it's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful car crash. That's what I call it. Cause we're it, man, this, it, we're doing all these things that we think are right. And there's so many negatives from them, but it's all worth it. You know? And I think that my music, I have to be able to show people what's possible, especially coming from a place where, where this has never happened before. You know what I mean? There's never been a, a Spanish or a, a Latin artist that's been on that level at that height. Um, we're seeing a lot of good things with Bad Bunny right now, but he makes Spanish music. You've never seen someone do this within the country that makes the, more, the highest entertainment possible, which is America. So I think to me, just showing people that you're going to be able to make interesting music while still making commercial make music that talks about something while still having it be listenable. And I think that's the goal, man. It's, it's the iPhone. It's the iPhone, something that can provide utility to people and can make them feel like, wow, this is dope as hell at the same time. And I think that's the toughest place to be, but that's, that's my fight and that's where I'm going. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for these people. You know what I mean? There's not enough people out here speaking. Like, so when you started doing music, like, did you put it out? Did people, did you get like plays right away? Like, what'd you do? Um, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, so, um, when, when I started putting out music at first, I put out like a song or two, I just put it out and got a placement on pigeons and planes on the blog. And, um, it was kind of like, cool. I didn't get any, really any plays or anything. Uh, but it wasn't until I worked on violent, which is the, the project that, that I have out right now. I worked on that for like three years and I just really spent an extreme amount of time reworking it like three times. Um, it wasn't until I put Violent out. There were two songs on there, which you, you know, you really love that you, you've talked to me about, Ra uh, Rapture and Turing Test. I remember when I was in the studio and I made those two songs with my, with my friend, we were in the room together. It just felt like 
like God came down in that room. Like it just, we were, we were jumping around laughing. We're in a small room and we're hot as hell. Cause there's no, you know, there's no AC in there like that. And we're just jumping around, like singing the chorus and shit. When I had that moment, I remember we were driving home super late and he was driving me to my house. And I was just like, man, these songs guaranteed are going to have millions of plays. I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to have those millions. And so when I put that, you, that project out um, at first, man, it was real slow. Like the project didn't really get that many plays or anything, but over time, like over a year or so, it got a million plays. And it's just slowly, it was one of the, it's just that music and that product where I knew if one person heard it, they're going to listen a couple of times and they're going to refer someone or someone's going to listen to it, or they're going to post it. Naturally, I got a couple of playlists from it, like just over time, because I guess it had a good algorithm. People were listening to it and not skipping it. And um, once it started getting in the playlist from there, it naturally starts growing the plays and, you know, the amount of uh, exposure it has. And so then after like about a year, it hit that 1 million mark. And now it's, it's almost, I think Rapture's almost at 3 million. It's literally right at 3 million. That's just crazy though. You spent three years making an album. I think a lot of us, uh, including myself, are like, oh, it must be, you make the music in a weekend, you put it out. Because you hear some of the stories or what we think, you know, these stories like, oh yeah, they made a music, put it out on SoundCloud and then just pops. Yeah, yeah. Happens for a lot of guys. Like Little Pump was one of those type. I don't know if you know who Little Pump is, but he's this, this rapper, like, he did that and his song started kind of blowing up on SoundCloud and just started taking off and he made a bunch of money off of it. But I think with stuff like that, it's it's just, as we like to call it, it's microwavable. And I'm not, not to say that, my, that Little Pump is microwavable because, you know, some of his songs are good, but it's just, I think when you don't have that that build quality, it always shows up in the end, you know, like maybe, maybe in the moment it might go up crazy and you might get 3 million plays, but it's not going to, you're not going to last beyond that and you're not going to be able to repeat it and you're also not going to be able to really do something that affects people and to me it's like if you're not if you're not after that and you're not trying to do that then you're it's kind of worthless you know they have their place and everything like that has its place but to me i don't believe that's how you build a career and i also don't believe that's what matters anyways who cares about that like let's do something that touches people and changes people's minds you know well i guess i wonder how do other artists do it and do it specifically like be able to afford it right and then get it out there like, do their families have money? Is that how it makes it easier for others? Well, I think it, a lot of it nowadays in the world that we live in today is um, it's just a lot of uh, it's it's really about you know we you know how important TikTok and um, just a lot of social media is like the the people a lot of days now will if the product like the casing or everything looks right and the branding is correct people will buy the product or if they buy into that story. So I think a lot of times nowadays a lot of the artists that are coming out labels aren't really doing too insane amounts unless you have like a more independent label that's willing to kind of do the building up process of, of an artist nowadays people don't really do that so labels they don't they kind of wait for you to kind of already have something and then they'll give you the money so what happens now is a, a lot of times you just have a kid out there who is pretty good at marketing himself and branding his his look and then from there obviously you know it's it's consistency to where you know people can um you know just cons consistently see that product and after that, once you get to a certain threshold of like views, plays and stuff like that, followers, then that the label will kind of come on top of it and put in the money to add the fuel to the fire. You get what I mean? I think a lot of artists today are just kind of doing it based off of uh, off of those, you know, kind of pillars. And that's why a lot of people are uh, are doing that. You know? Is music subjective, right? Like, how does someone blow up then? Like, how does someone like you make it a full time thing? This is like a crazy, <laughs> you're going into a, a crazy part of, of, a, of a conversation, but um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like, is, is life objective or subjective? I mean, to me, I, and, and this ruffles a lot of people's feathers, I think, I don't think that life is as subjective as people think it is. I think we all have the, 
the opinions or the the lens that we can view the world through. But I think there's objectivity to things, you know, and that, that hurts a lot of artists. That's why there's a lot of like, there's 90% of artists will never make a dollar off music. It's because a lot of times kids are like, I mean, this is my art and this is what I can do. And so it, it's good just because I think it is. And I don't believe that. I mean, you know that in business, it's like there is statistics and monetarily looking at things where you can kind of see like, okay, this more so worked. So to answer your question, I believe art has a subjective quality to it, but I believe there's more objectivity than most people think, you know? And so what I always thought about when I was making first making music, I made this song. Now let me play one of the greatest songs that I could ever, you know, like, let me play Thriller behind it and see what it feels like. Because you, that's one thing. I mean, people talk about comparison and how it's not good, but if you take your product, if you take, uh, you know, if you make a, if you have a company and you make a cup or something, and then you put it next to the, uh, the best-selling cups or something, you're going to see very quickly how shitty your cup is. You know what I mean? So I think um, there's an, a sense of objectivity in music that people don't pay attention to. And then on top of that, obviously, if you're, not, if you're thinking everything's subjective and it's all up to you, then you're not spending that time to really be like, okay, what makes the song do well? What is the marketing budget? What, how do you get your song on this playlist? How do you get, you know, do videos actually help the exposure to your brand, stuff like that. So I think that's how artists make it. It's like by viewing it a little bit more objective and being like, oh shit, I know I have to have a video so that people actually want to listen to my music because it adds the extra element, you know? How are you promoting yourself? Because it sounds like one of the things that's interesting for frankly, any business one, it's like reverse engineering. Like you said, go listen to Jay-Z, go listen to, you know, good music and then it helps you, you know, improve your own. But I guess on the other side of that, it's like if you make a bomb song, but you don't get, you know, in a playlist or in a SoundCloud or a YouTube or a TikTok. Because that's something with you. I'm like, yo, is, is David promoting as much as he can? Right. Or is it just like, yo, just make great songs and then and they'll find you. Like, how, how do you think about that? Yeah. So that's the tough part. Because um, I think most people go very one or the other. Like, I think a lot of people, the way they view it is like, I mean, a song go extreme on the promotion of it. And that can work, you know, as you've seen before, like with people on TikTok and stuff like that. Or people go the opposite way. Like someone will go more Frank Ocean with it. Like, let me just go extreme on the music. And then over time, like it'll just get out there. And that can work too. Cause if you make extremely fucking good music, it doesn't matter if you put a dollar into it. As long as someone can hear it, you can go off of that. You know, it's really hard and tough, but it can happen. I think where my dilemma a lot of times lies and what I'm working through now and trying to figure out is um, I don't believe in, in either of those sides, really. I believe that my mission is to be, is to try to get as much of, of both, you know? So I don't believe in like, oh, I just made a little, video off my phone, you know, for $2. Now let me throw a billion, let me throw, let me try to get it extremely promoted. And then I also don't believe in like, I made a song and it's, you know, it's a rapture level. And then let me just let no one ever to hear it. So I think that dilemma, you know, causes more problems because now I have to think about how do I promote things in, in a correct way, but also make sure the product is as good as possible. So it's like breaking up that time of making a product and making it really good, but also making sure that you're doing the external other things to make sure it's successful financially, you know? And so that's kind of the balance that I've been trying to find. Yeah. Well, it's also, you have, I mean, how do you, how do you make time with the day job? Man, that's the tough part. That's why it took me three years to make uh, the first project, you know, is trying to find my days off. And then the thing with art too, is that there is that intangible side. So like, who's to say that that day off, I'm going to feel like making a song, you know what I mean? Or or I'm going to have that in my heart. You might not have it that day. And so what makes it tough is you might be at work and you might be pushing someone and you're like, I have a great idea for a song, but you can't do anything with it, you know? And then I keep every, bringing everything back to starting a business because I feel like that's, you know, your audience, you know, we're like that. But, 
I'm sure when you're starting a business and you're like, uh, I want to do whatever, start a, a website, you, if you still have to make some money to try to work on that whenever you can. So it's still that, that sense of like, make your money. And then whenever free time you possibly have, try to make it work. But that definitely with art is it's not as tangible as to like what, as you, everyone knows, it's not as tangible as to be like, today I made a song. So I, I necessarily succeeded. You know what I mean? Because with music, you might make 30 songs and none of them might be good, or you might never put any of those out, you know? So yeah, trying to balance work right now with, with like working on music and especially thinking about it in the way that I want to do it, which is not like my plan isn't to be uh, an artist that can just tour a little bit and like make $2,000 a month for the rest of my life and then be good and like never do arenas or anything like that. Like that's not my goal. So because that's not my goal, it, it makes it even tougher, you know, because that time that I have to spend has to be spent the right way. How do you spend the time right now related to music? For me, uh, my process when I make music is a lot more, um, I like to, like, I like to conceptualize things a lot more. So when I'm working on a project, I learned this from working on my first one that I put out the, you know, violent one, you know, for me, it takes like a couple, a while for me to talk to someone or to talk to friends or just talk to, you know, even someone like you and be like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? Or what do you think about this? And I kind of start piecing together all of the ideas behind the project first. From there, I start getting into like the actual nitty gritty of like doing some of the production, start getting the ideas for the production. And these are, this all happens in stages throughout like months. Then after I get the, the stages of starting on the production, getting that really going. Then after that, generally the last things I do is start like really writing a lot of the stuff. And then once I have that, then I usually just listen to that for a long time and then go back and like add songs, take songs off, make new songs. And then um, eventually, you know, it, it all comes together to make a project. So right now I, I'm kind of more in the stage of like conceptualizing the next project and, um, and getting started on like doing the production for it. How much time are you spending promoting your stuff? Being on TikTok, going, trying to get on, you know, lists on Spotify, making YouTube video, doing, you know, hitting up people, getting on shows. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not spending as much time at all as I, as I should on that. I think in part, and this might be an excuse, so everyone listening, DM me and tell me how, how dumb I am. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, a lot of times I'm not necessarily as great because that's not really, you know, what I love too much. So I'm not as great about doing all those things or setting the plans for how should we market this or how should we do this? And then on top of that, the excuse that I was going to say is that, you know, the money side for music, like you have to have some sort of like money to like be able to promote it on, you know, as far as doing Google ads or even playing to get on or paying to get on certain uh, blogs on, on Instagram or, you know, to get, try to even get on certain playlists because they have these companies that do marketing and they'll charge you like 20,000. And then from there, they set up like a, a plan where they like will pitch to all these, uh, Plus and stuff like that, but they don't ever give you, they don't give you a guarantee. Playlists cannot take payola or anything, quote unquote, you know? So if you hit it like a Spotify playlist, like the Rap Life playlist or something, they can't take your money, but you pay this company and then they'll, they'll send the, the music out to this playlist. And then they're from there, you know, if they, if they like it and maybe you want to put it in, that's all right. But if not, they, you know, whatever. So a lot, I think a lot of the money would go more towards um, social media and stuff like that. And so, yeah, you have to have some money to be able to get ads, to target ads, to pay pages, to post your stuff, whatever. Okay. You might have to make a suggestion or a thought on it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Why don't you ask your brother to spend some time on it? He, he like majored in marketing. <laughs> yeah, that he, he's told me that. Yo, bro, get him to like go get, kiss some ass and take that. I don't think you need to spend 20. I mean, one, I don't know shit about music, so don't listen to me. I do know stuff about promoting things. And it's like, if you're not into it, 
you need to find someone who is so that they're focused on it for you. Why haven't you had your brother help you? Or what, what's held you back from doing that? I, I could. I, he, he's offered before to be like, hey, man, let me just let me help you out do this, that, and the third. Or I can try to run ads for you or whatever. One of the things that that I, you know, that, that bothers or that I'm pretty bad at about is that I am very like perfectionist kind of. I was telling this story about how my dad is like, like I said, he's working with the Ethernet cable and he's like trying to get it to fit perfectly on the wall so nobody sees it. I have this sense of like um, with music, like it has to be seen right. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes that hinders if my brother's like, oh, let me run ads or something. I'm like, okay, but I got to work on a, a piece of content that will make sense and be right. Like I, I couldn't just be in a white t-shirt on TikTok, like, you know, doing a dance move or something that would never, I would never be okay with that, you know? So it becomes like a, it's like a give and take, you know what I mean? Your product, your product has to be good enough where you feel confident, you know, marketing it. But at the same time, the way it's marketed, things like that, all things that I'm pretty uh, anal about. So I think that hinders me sometimes because be, I can't just let my brother be like, oh, I'm going to do whatever. I'm just going to go market you. I'm like, nah, man, you can't do that. I have, it has to be like this, you know? What do you have to lose by having him help you? I don't think anything, to be honest. I, I think that's I think that was a good idea. <laughs> I need I need to call him after this and see if uh, he can help me out with that. Yeah, I mean, I have a buddy. One of my best friends is Adam. He's a body tutor. He mybodytutor.com. And I'm like, bro, your stuff's so good. You just don't market it. And he's like, I know, I'm trying. And so it's like he hired someone, you know, just at least getting it, getting that going. Because it's like, yeah, your music's, I, you already know, I love your music. And, um, and, I, and I don't think this is you, but it's like you wait for it to come to you or like you bring it to the people. I think some people don't make good music and they promote a lot or some, some people, from, you know, have great music, but they're not telling anyone about it. And so hopefully you can you know, try to do both. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's definitely, a, um, it's been easy and comfortable kind of for me to focus a lot on the music side, because obviously that's what I've done kind of my whole life, um, but definitely hasn't been as much on my mind or as present or as much in my heart to be like, oh, shit, maybe let's find more ways to promote the music we already have, which is something you brought up to me, and it's a great idea. You know, I, I need to get I need to get outside of myself and be like, okay, this music is really good. It's already getting seen, but let's add more fuel to the fire and find ways to get it seen more, you know? hundred percent. I mean, you have this great stuff. It's like getting it out there. So, I mean, and I don't, I mean, I think the playbooks for music is all pretty straightforward. Not, I don't know straightforward, but it's like Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, TikTok, I don't know, maybe Instagram. And it's like, all right, let's work backwards. Like who other, who else is getting that exposure and then where are they getting it? It's definitely tough um, trying to navigate nowadays too, because of uh, however present people are now, you know what I mean? Like music back in the day. And I, I kind of subscribe and like a lot more just naturally that type of vibe. Like People like Michael Jackson and stuff, they didn't have a you know a Twitter account where they could just, or, or Instagram where they were just posting every day where you saw them every day. And I think that's what added to the dopeness, kind of the mystique of like when girls would see Michael Jackson perform, they would pass out and almost die. You know what I mean? And so I think um, I like a lot of the, those ideas. Like to me, sometimes, you know, as we know, consistency or being too um, forward and ever present in people's faces ends up uh, hurting the quality of the art or the quality of um, whatever you're trying to you know show people. So I think um, it's that balance, like, like I was telling you, it's that balance between trying to be consistent, but just making really dope shit that can make people feel that way. Because a lot of times, if you're going to post every day, dude, you're not going to be able to post a thriller every day. You know what I mean? If you post every fucking day, you can't post. You also can't bring the quality as high as you can. You know, So a lot of the greatest artists, you have to have kind of like a good a good amount of putting out great content and being consistent, you know, and that's the balance that I've been trying to find and the balance that a lot of artists try to find is like, how do I make sure that I'm not just lost and nobody's ever heard of me while making sure that my music's as good as that it can, as good as it can be. You know, Kendrick just took five years for that album, you know, that he just posted, but that's Kendrick, you know, 
I think I've asked you this. I'm curious. How much money do you need to be able to just do music full time? Me personally? Yeah. So me personally, I mean, I make like, um, make like 3000 a month or a little bit less. I mean, that's like the high, the high figure um, at my job right now. So I make like 3000 a month. So, you know, if I, if I weren't, were to not work for like six months, I would be like 18,000 or something like that. That would be just for me to not work, but obviously music, I have to like upgrade equipment, get a better mic, stuff like that. But that's all, you know, with what I have right now, I can make a project, you know? What do you think's hold you back from uh, putting yourself out there more? Doing the YouTube or what do you think you've been afraid of? Uh, you mean as far as like my actual me me being out there? Because I, I definitely don't have any videos of me. I don't have anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily be your face, but just like on YouTube even. It's like you have these songs on Spotify, millions of views. And like I've tried to show them on YouTube. I'm like, oh, there's, not, there's actually nothing out there. I like to think that it's or not like to think. I, I believe that it's because of resource. Kanye, if you've, I don't know if you've seen the, the Genius um, documentary the, on Netflix from with Kanye. Uh, I saw half of it. So did, did you get to the part where he was doing the for his first video? No. So yeah, yeah, maybe you just didn't get to that part. You should definitely watch it. And everybody out there who's uh, listening to this should definitely watch it. But Kanye, when he got to that point when he was going to start doing his video, and a lot of people don't know this, but when he got signed to Rockefeller, which was one of the greatest, best rap labels in the world at that point, I guess the, probably the best rap label in the world at that point, when he got signed to Rockefeller, from there, it was still um, something where resource-wise and stuff like that, he basically had to pay for everything. A lot of the things that he did, that first video, he had to pay 30000 to do it by himself. You know, Obviously, technology is way better now, so it wouldn't take you 30000 to do that video. But I think um, quality and, and doing stuff the right way does cost money. You know, And so, yes, I could go out there with my iPhone right now and shoot a video probably, and it'll probably be good. And I tried to do stuff like that. But I also like believe in things being the right amount of quality. You know what I mean? So I think that holds me back a lot with doing videos, even getting more more content on my page and stuff. It's because I want it to artistically look a, a particular way, and I want to want it to meet a threshold of quality. So that obviously will hinder me being able to do it if I don't have the resource to do it. You know, if I don't have the money to pay someone to do a video, and I'm not saying any millions of dollars to do anything like that. I don't believe that. I'm not that guy. Like. If I don't have $6 million, I'll never make it as an artist. No, I don't believe in that. Obviously, we, I need to do as much as I can with what I have in front of me. But I will say um, some of the ideas that I have for right now are a little bit too big for, obviously, the money that I have to put into that. I was wondering how you like build up to it, where you just you know, use your phone, get it going, get that momentum you know, on YouTube, wherever, on these different places, and then keep building up on that versus like, all right, it's got to be perfect from, from the beginning. I think that's common for a lot of us. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's definitely something I've been thinking about and, and fighting with. And so like any company, it's like if you're wanting to build Apple or whatever, if you need some money to do something and you don't think you can do it, you need to get someone to help you get that money. You need to get an investor, someone to help back it. Or you need to build a very small prototype at the moment, You know, sell that. Once you get that money, build it back in, sell that, and then build it up that way. I think um, for me right now, I, I'm... I, I know I like to lean more towards the idea of like, okay, maybe I could just help, you know, get someone to help me back this and then just do it the right way and go from there. Um, but that's also the other approach is also, um, it's a real one, you know, to be able to be like, okay, we'll do a video on your iPhone now, do five of those. Once, you know, you get some money off of those, go and do a real video. Then once you do those, build it up from there, you know? Well, cause like, was, who's the guy that got pretty famous? Cause he did like a song a day. Russ. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? Like he just, it wasn't, didn't have to be great, but he just fucking put out so much. And, uh, you know, Kept doing it though. What do you think about that? I have very interesting uh, views about him. I'll say this first before I say anything else because I don't want to tear anyone down in any way. But 
I'll say that Russ did an amazing job. Like you said, it's like he found a way to be like, wait, what am I doing? Let me just put a song out a day. I know what I can do. I have, he know he knows how to mix, how to uh, produce his own music to a good degree. And he was like, okay, I can produce my own beat, you know, uh, mix it myself. I can do my own melodies. I can put them out every day. All his cover arts were like the same kind of, so he didn't have to spend a bunch of money on like getting a new cover art. So he kind of like built that system and then just did it over and over and over again until it worked which was dope. And it worked for him. What I will say is that for me, like my mission and like the point and the goal is, is really not that, you know, like, cause he kind of did that. And that was kind of his point, the point that he's at now making millions and millions of dollars and he was independent. So he's making a lot of money off his music, stuff like that. That was kind of the goal is to get to that point. But for me, like that's kind of completely against the goal that I, that I'm trying to reach. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it, I guess, without being an asshole, but I guess I'll just say how I want to say it. Russ, his music and him as an artist is really like, it's kind of um, mid, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of just regular. Like he, he doesn't make any music. that's like insanely amazing or great, but he's also not super terrible. Obviously he's just kind of like an in-between artist because of what you just talked about. He makes a shit ton of money and he's known for that thing. You know what I mean? But that's kind of against my goal. Like he doesn't talk about anything in his music. His beat his, his beats aren't new or inspiring or different. He's not really pushing anything forward. He just kind of does what he does and makes a lot of money from it. Whereas for me, that's kind of not the goal at all. You know, if I wanted to do that, I would just go and be be an engineer or something and make some money off of that. Just continue doing that. It's like that's like having another nine to five again. My mission is like is to be more like a Kanye. I know I mentioned him a lot during talking about this, but Kanye's whole thing was very like in those deals that he put out on Twitter that he he posted his contracts. This man asked for an extra one million dollars to do a movie that he never put out. Like to do a movie where he he went to like Qatar or something and he shot a movie where it was surround room. Like it was the whole room was was a theater and you could see all around him. And he spent like a million dollars of his recording budget that he got from Universal to do that. Uh, but he never put it out. Kanye went $65 million in debt at one point because he was trying to do it for the art, you know what I mean? For the music and pushing things forward in the culture. And I think that's a complete different like idea than like a Russ was like, you know, I'm going to own all my own shit. I'm not going to spend money on, on all this shit. I'm just going to pocket the money, you know what I mean? The respect that you have the values. I think it's it's a balance. I mean, it's not that you should give in. There's some you know th- things to to learn. Have you thought about uh, or considered doing more of the producer route as a way of uh, building up your your wealth or money to then be able to do more of the individuals, kind of like Kanye? Yeah, no, I've thought about that. I've definitely thought about that. A lot of people have uh, mentioned that. Like, man, you you have really amazing production too. Like, maybe you can use that to build up some of the financial side of it, and also build the connections, and then use that to pour it back into the music. I definitely thought about that. And yeah, I think that's that's a good idea. That's something that I need to explore more. I met this guy once and he had a yacht. And I was like, yo, that's crazy of a yacht. He's an, he was an actor. I was like, I've never seen you in anything. He's like, I know. I'm always the guy, like the third guy in the, in the show or the fourth guy. And, but it's like very lucrative. And, and he's like, I enjoy it. And so, you know, just kind of the same thing about like, there's other ways, like if you're into music or you're into sports or you're into whatever it is, like there's other ways of making money versus just the only one way, which I, you know, I appreciate it. No, that's true. And the, the, that's why that, you know, the, being a producer and stuff like that is, um, is interesting. Cause like, um, um, I don't know. Well, you know, Quentin Tarantino is right. Quentin Tarantino, yeah. the director. So he talked about, um, I think, I think it was him at least. Sorry. People correct me if I'm wrong, but he was, I was watching an interview with him and he was talking about how they're like, how did you succeed doing this or whatever? And he was like, how did you become a director or whatever? And he was just like, well, I mean, I was working at a video store, but I was always being a director. Like I was always writing. And always trying to like figure out a movie. I always thought of myself as a director. And he's like, so I did that 
for 10 years or something until I got my first movie. And then obviously his first movie is lit. It was amazing. And then he went from there. And so it was interesting because he was talking about, he's like, what I did, what a lot of people do nowadays is that they say like, oh, well, maybe let me just work as a, you know, I hold the, the lights for a little bit. Then I promote myself to being the guy who holds the camera for a little bit. Then from there, I promote myself to this, this, this. And they said, after like 10 years, then they're eventually like, finally, I got to direct. And he's like, the interesting thing though, is that that person spent 10 years being all everything else except the director. Meanwhile, I spent 10 years being a director and it, it got me to where I to be because I was always a director. I was never anything else. That was all that I focused myself on, you know? So I think about that a lot of times with music. It's like, if you go out and you do 50 other things, you're going to kind of be behind the guy who was like, well, I kind of gave it everything. And since day one, I was an artist. I was never, you know, I was never a, a manager or something like that, you know, but it can work in either way. I just, I kind of like and romanticize more the Quentin Tarantino route, you know? Yeah. There's many ways of living. I don't know if there's right. Just uh, some ways are easier than others, but it's, it's all, I've always liked it. I'm, and I was, I admire and I like people when they're just kind of like, as much as, yeah, there's other paths I can take and I know it'd be easier and I know I could do it that way. Like, I just don't want to, you know, probably make it a little harder on yourself, but I also admire the fact that you're like, you got conviction. And that's what we were talking about earlier, you know, to bring it back is uh, there's really no one size fits all. And everyone's life is dependent on where they're trying to reach. You know what I mean? Depending on what the goals are and what you consider success or something that you want to accomplish, obviously the route will be different, hard in, in ways and not hard in others, you know? That Kanye has, is now with 65 million in debt at one point and is now worth multiple billions. So, you know, his route ended up being successful for him, you know? And there's a lot of other people, someone like a, maybe a, a Warren Buffett, who's way more just bland, kind of just crunch the numbers, uh, don't take too much risk. And that's very, very lucrative or successful as well. So I just believe in, in being self-aware and knowing where you want to reach. And I don't believe you can hit a target that you don't see. So I like to just be aware and talk to people like you and just be like, man, what am I like? Or why am I not doing this? Or what do I think about this? Do Is this what success is to me? And um, so over the years, I've, I've definitely kind of gotten a sense of where I want to be and what I want to do. And so now I'm just trying to find the ways to do it, you know, and working hard on doing that. All right. So today that we chatted, it's May 18th, 3.47 p.m. Central Time, 2022. Let's fast forward. It's May 18th, 2023. It's a year, uh, a year in the future. In a year, I'll have a project out. I'll be touring and I won't have to work a job anymore. I'll just be touring and then I'll be working probably on my next project. And I'll have definitely a million monthly listeners. On uh, Spotify or just across everything? On Spotify. I think it's nice to have goals. Nice to have things that we have dreams about, like where we want to go. I think actually figuring out what we want is harder than getting what we want. I was like talking about that in therapy today. It was like, he's like, bro, you're so ambivalent sometimes. Like, I know. He's like, maybe just enjoy being ambivalent. And that's like your jam. <laughs> like, yes. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. Just be okay. Just don't knowing things and, and just keep going with that. He's like, that's even a choice. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. We got to enjoy these things, man. It's dope to be like, I don't know. What, what should I do? Sometimes it's amazing. You just sit in there and be like, fuck, I, I want to be, you know, buff, but I also don't want to work out every day. Fuck it. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, that is dope, man. Let's Sometimes let's just live in, in, in being ourselves and knowing like, hey, yeah, maybe I want to be a successful artist, but sometimes I'm fucking lazy or I don't do this or whatever. It's like, it's cool to be like, I can be both and and still live and still work towards something more. You know? So that's, it's cool that you, you, you thought about that today. Like, fuck, I don't know. I'm being, and he's like, oh, it's be ambivalent. Be yourself, man. This is you. Enjoy it. I know. I mean, but I make, I make it so hard on myself too, man. In the same way where I'm like, ah, I should know. And, but I appreciate hearing you say like, yo, just be okay with both of them. This is the, a big problem with humanity. And this is one of the things that I want to fix or not fix, but just help shed light on, man. Like I'm a terrible person 
for sure. I, I'm definitely a horrible person. But also in my heart, man, like I, I have so many dope things that I want to do. I want to help so many people. So I got to embrace my my shadow and myself. You know what I mean? And I think um, that's a good thing. That's a really important thing. Because if we keep uh, fighting our shadow, we'll never get anywhere. You know, we just got to be aware that, that it's something real inside of us. And then just, you know, take what we what we made from it. So I love that, dude. It's amazing. Be, be ambivalent. It's funny the things that were not ambivalent on the two on the other side of it. I was like, when I heard your your music, I was like, I fucking love this music. There was like no ambivalence. It was actually, then the guy today was like, yeah, it's easy on the outside. The ambivalence is on the inside. So I thought, I was like, oh, some good shit. But uh, yeah, I feel you on that, man. I'll, uh, I'll embrace some more of this ambivalence. It's dope. I love, I love talking to people like that. Where it's like, I was talking to a friend, right? And he was like, I don't know what we were talking about, but he was just something like, ah, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. People shouldn't do this or do that. And I was like, oh, we should. And then, he, and then he was like, oh, okay, whatever. Then we got out of the car. And I was like, yeah, but I don't do that at all. And then he was like, what? He looked at me. He was like, well, you're being a hypocrite. And then I literally looked him in his face. I was like, yeah, man, I'm a hypocrite. I'm, I'm a guy. I'm a person. Like, I'm, I'm going to be one side and one not. Like, it just is what it is. And I just remember his face and him being like, how is this possible? How can a human being look at me and say that he is a hypocrite? And I just think that like that, that's weird to me that people don't have that feeling of being able to be like, yes, I am a human. Yes. Yesterday I, I said I was going to start a diet and today I didn't do it. Like we got to embrace and know that we are people, man. Like we're, we're going to be hypocrites and we're going to be sitting there and, and telling a person all the things that we should do and then not do any of them. And it's okay. And it's cool. But uh, I, I just found that funny because the way he looked at my face, man, it was like, yo, this guy is crazy. I don't understand it. And I was like, man, it's hard. how hard is that to understand that we're people, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that. It's also, you know, there's a phrase, uh, I was taking this course with my brother and the course has this thing where you, like you say something and then the other person goes, and that's okay. I like that phrase. It's like, I'm a hypocrite and that's okay. David Wills is out there <laughs> taking on the world. Deny ourselves, man. Like, that's what creates all this, all this pain, all this harshness to deny. Like the, you know, yes, you can mess up. And the goal, the idea is to, to be aware of yourself in that way. Like, man, I am a hypocrite. Maybe I can find a way to, to change those things or to, or if I'm okay with it, being aware with it. So that way, when someone tells me I'm a hypocrite, I don't sit there and die. You know what I mean? I could just be like, oh man, that's true. You're right. Boom. So people out there listening, it's all right, man. Like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's okay. Like, you, I know you told your mom, you know, that you were going to go to school, but you hate school and you never want to go. We all get it, man. And, and, and it's all right. You know, it's okay. It is okay. How much do you listen to your own music, by the way? I mean, I listen to a lot of the unreleased stuff a lot because I'm still working on it, but I don't listen to Violet that much. A lot of, I think a lot of artists do that because they move on and they're like, ah, but, but when someone like you hits me up and it's like, man, I love this song. I'm like, oh shit. Is that song good? So I go back and listen to it and I'm like, oh fuck, this is amazing. So I kind of rediscover it when people hit me up about it, you know, because I'm working on, on new stuff and whatever. Kids lately has been like a uh, one that just kind of like that. Touring Justin Raptor, obviously your popular stuff too, but like kids are like, yo, it's good. What's the, the story behind that? So when I'm, when I'm making a song, I make the beats and everything first. And then um, like what it, what it gives me, like I kind of just listen to the beat. I'm like, ah, this kind of feels like this or like that. And I shoot around ideas with my friends. And that song, I kind of wanted to talk about like, I wanted to talk about the idea between um, like being a kid and then being an adult, like the in-between period. I just want to talk about how uh, everybody wants to be a kid, but nobody, rec everybody recognizes the good things of, of childhood and being a kid, but nobody recognizes there's people like who get pushed to a brink to be, you know, to be wilder, to 
to be like a school shooter or something like that. So, or to be like the, an evil side. I think people think of like childhood and stuff like that in that way. So I kind of wanted to like, just share some of those ideas, like of just childhood and growing up and is growing up that good. You know, I feel like with these, this, uh, rose painted glasses, rose colored glasses about growing up, people are like, Oh, I grew up. And it's like, it was such a good time. We have this idea of it. So I think I was trying to challenge that to be like, man, is this so, is it so great that in between periods, sometimes it kind of sucks to be, I guess, growing pains is kind of the idea of the song. I love it. And I like that your, your stuff is meaningful. It's not, uh, cars and stupid shit. Like I get it. That's aspirational and it's inspiring. Got good beats, but I think you have the good beats and like, Oh, this is cool. Like, I like you talk about like, yeah, real shit. How do you want everyone to support you? Like everyone that listens, where do you want them to check out? Go to you know, Spotify, go, I don't know, buy, uh, I don't think people buy albums anymore. Everyone who's listening to this right now, get on your phone, go to Spotify, type in David Wolves, listen to Violent, and listen to the whole thing. Don't go on there and click one song. Listen to the whole thing. Tell me what you think. And then DM me. DM me. Tell me what you think about it. Tell me your story. And then share it if you, if you, if you want. I know that shit is lame. I don't like liking people's posts or... DMing people and stuff. I, I hate that shit. So if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But just listen to it. See what you think about it. Get something from it. And think about yourself and be okay with yourself. That's it. So that's how you support me. Listen to it and think about it and actually really digest it. Don't just listen to one song. If you're going to listen to one song, don't. Just don't listen to it. <laughs> I got you. All right, brother. You have a good day. Keep making that music. We got to figure out other ways to get you doing the music full time. It's been really dope talking to you. I know that yeah, you have a lot of stuff to do. So I really appreciate you even having me on the podcast. Take care, man. Good day, man. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as we did putting it out for you. Go search David Wolves on Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go to a live concert together. And before you go, tweet at me or slide in my DMs at Noah Kagan and let me know what you thought of this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel if you want more juicy business and marketing content. That's youtube.com slash Noah. Also got a newsletter. We send one short, sexy email each and every week that has powerful nuggets to help you improve your life and your business. That's sendfox.com slash Noah. Finally, a couple of shout outs to my amazing team. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for making these awesome podcasts. They sound so damn good after you edit them. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Hubert, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen from the Dork Team for all the magic y'all do. And finally, a shout out to Genviev, Alex King, and Jared, who are old school, new school business development managers who've brought on so many amazing products on AppSumo. I appreciate everything y'all have done. Have a delightful day. What's your favorite microwavable food? Oh, that's a tough one. What is, what am I? Oh, mine is like a soup dumplings from Trader Joe's. <laughs>